0: Welcome to the Patient Driven Supply Network podcast with your host, Roddy Martin, digital transformation strategist at Tracelink. Today, Roddy welcomes supply chain leader Dave Aquino to talk about supply chain fragility and agility. Let's listen in.
1: Welcome, Dave, to our first podcast in supply chain using supply chain leaders. Very exciting. Um, We've got a really, really good lineup of uh, experienced supply chain leaders over the years to find out you know, where supply chain has gone from yesterday, today, uh, given the pandemic and tomorrow. And I'm really proud to have Dave uh, as a very experienced supply chain leader, not only with supply chain, but with IT and business operations background in the things. So Dave, why don't you introduce
0: yourself? Thanks so much, Roddy. Great to be here. I really appreciate uh, getting to join and talk about this uh, a series of issues and opportunities today. Uh, my name is Dave Aquino. Uh, most recently, I was the Chief Operating Officer and CIO for Shark Ninja, $2 billion home appliance company based in Needham, Massachusetts. And prior to, to that role, I was, uh, for six years, the COO and CIO for a, a apparel and uniform company, uh, Barco Uniforms, that was focused half on healthcare, as well as the other half on corporate identity and, and um, quick service restaurant business. So great to be here. That's fantastic. And Dave, now, given that... Uh, you know,
1: you were in the PPE space, so to say, maybe the bottom end of PPE space. But give us some anecdotes because you've recently got reinvolved in your own operation in PPEs and sourcing. Give us a few anecdotes about how you've seen this from a supply chain point of view. Because certainly, from the outside, um, the the lack of responsiveness in supply chains and the lack of visibility seems to have
0: been. You know a real nightmare i'm sure it is for you sourcing uh, equipment yeah i think you know it's it's an unprecedented time as we know probably the understatement of the day i think the issue has been to your point a lack of preparedness and a lack of agility in the apparel and footwear space that was in particular that's been really sourcing and managing very complex supply chains across the world um, there's been an understanding of how to navigate typically uncertainty, variability, risk, whether you're operating and sourcing in Africa or in Asia. Um, It feels today so frustrating to not be able to have responsiveness and have an integrated supply chain that is providing the uh, personal protective equipment that people need. I've recently pivoted uh, some of my advisory and startup work to focus on uh, PPE specifically because there has not been Uh, an availability and our expertise in billing, being able to develop new supply chains um, in countries of origin that are non China um, and giving options for people has been really the need. And I think what we've seen from an anecdote standpoint is, is an absolute paralysis of being able to get basic supplies. So, you know, I'm very excited and and appreciative that I've got partners uh, and myself to be able to deploy those capabilities and bring product in, um, that's going to serve the marketplace. Fantastic, Dave. You've, you've also had an interesting uh, set of roles. I mean,
1: head of IT, uh, COO in a in a really serious global operating business uh, that involves a lot of international sourcing and procurement, but also head of supply chain. And you know, one of the biggest challenges that we're seeing is bringing those functions together. Let's add digital into the mix. So, talk a little bit about you know how you see supply chain from the role of a cio from the role of digital from the role of being the supply chain officer uh, you know from the, the from the role of being in the business how have you looked at supply chain because
0: it's certainly changed in the last 6 months yeah it's a, it's a it's a great it's a great point and you know the integration and natural affinity for technology enablement visibility transparency It's just part and parcel of the core physical management of the supply chain. And today, looking at how quickly can you deploy new resources, how can you add um, new, new capabilities, you have to have, as a supply chain leader, as a COO, you need to be simultaneously comfortable in managing the functionality and technology options while thinking about how to build new processes and new relationships. I think folks that are trying to pivot and have only traditionally managed one aspect of the supply chain are woefully inadequate to, to drive success. I think that's a great point.
1: And I mean, you know, into digital, right? I mean, one of the most amusing scenarios I saw was a, leader of a big pharma supply chain company in Europe who stood up and said, you know, I thought we'd nailed supply chain a long digital, and now we're all confused. And I mean, you know, there's nothing further from the truth. So from a from a digital point of view and as a supply
0: chain leader, how do you see the big opportunity for digital? The the speed and visibility and you know you talked about track and trace. Right now everybody is counting on existing relationships and handshakes, virtual handshakes on where are we gonna get product? Is it coming in? Do we know where it's coming from? Is it efficacious or not? Um, This is gonna quickly and rapidly transform uh, our traditional supply chains to be able to build a lot more agility globally as well as locally. If you think about 10 weeks into this whole discussion that we still can't get paper towels, we still can't get napkins, we can't get yeast, um, let alone PPE. It highlights, and people are panicked. Um, the discussions that I'm having all day long from an advisory and building this relationship is, who can you count on? Who can you trust? Having direct visibility into the inner workings of manufacturing, distribution, and logistics is, is, a, is a table stakes kind of deal. And I think we're going to see a pivot point, much like we saw in the last recession, of just this appetite for services and digitization that has never been uh, encountered before. In other words, changing the whole digital or the whole operating model to a digital one and
1: eliminating a lot of the paper-based processes and the long lead times simply because we haven't aligned and, and uh, synchronized all of our processes. So, I mean, if you, if you look at the supply chain, we've been talking about, you know, you and I were analysts together, we've been talking about visibility for years and it's really hit us between the eyes now. So so what do you think is one of the big issues around visibility uh, as a supply chain leader? What was most frustrating to you in terms of visibility? Visibility of what? Because visibility isn't
0: something that's actionable unless you know what you're actioning. I, I love that question, Roddy. And, and I think, you know, there's so much to be frustrated about, uh, but I'll try to only come up with a couple. I think specifically... You know, the visibility that we're, we're encountering today is based on relationships. It's based on physical presence. So our competitive advantage for, and supply chains globally are predicated on having people on the ground and to be able to verify that product is being manufactured, that it's being prop- packaged correctly, that the logistics are being managed, that we understand the, the risk profile for you know for importation. Um those are the kinds of things that we're dealing with. That is such an antiquated and anachronistic model. We need to have visibility from a digital standpoint of what is happening in real time and be able to manage this in a much less brute force manner. That's, the, you know, that's been the challenge for, for us currently, is that we need to replace the physical proximity or physical involvement with a, an augmentation of what's actually happening on the ground um, to a global network. And we've talked for a long time about that capability. But boy, do we need it today.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, we've spoken the, the words digital twin. You know, it sounds so cool, so to speak, in a, in a digital parlance but i mean in, in essence what you're saying let's create a digital view of the of the operating business and let's ma- manage and, and lead it responsively from a from a digital level you know i think that the the other point is um, when you when you look at conventional it um, you know hasn't conventional it all the erp systems and the databases that we've got all over the business haven't those introduced a real serious constraint and complexity to being able to run the end-to-end business. Because now not only do we have uh, you know, partners not talking to each other, we have systems that don't talk to each other. We can't see one or, or more partners upstream or downstream. So how do we then track a product all the way from where it was made and packaged all the way into
0: a patient or a shopper's hands? Absolutely. And I think what's maddening is that if there was ever a time to eliminate friction between trading partners create new capabilities and new relationships, it's absolutely paralyzed with the traditional systems in place. And um, it's ironic, I think, what we're going to find is that the deep experience of supply chain and business leaders is going to surmount a lot of this incapability. Um, Yet, we desperately need to have systems that allow us to integrate and incorporate new business partnerships, new relationships, fast and seamlessly. Um, that that you know, the the fact is, big companies, governmental agencies, you're getting emails seven days later saying, "Oh, we got your email. We know you have product, but we're not sure how to decipher who you are and how to operate." Meanwhile, we've sold five hundred thousand units of product to to all kinds of customers all over the place. That's the difference, and and it's not just limited to. Um, to government. It's, limit, it's a problem for businesses interacting. So I'm excited about the opportunity to find new technologies and new capabilities that are just going to allow us to run and gun. And that's what we need right now.
1: You know, Dave, you're involved in PPEs. And, you know, we know that the United States, we have a massive military infrastructure. And we know that, uh, you know, we haven't been able to control visibility and logistics is a huge issue in, in getting this, these PPEs around what have you seen and what suggestions would you make? What opportunities
0: are there? Thank you, Roddy, for that question. It's just, it's absolutely debilitating. I think the one thing that we've seen as supply chain leaders and entrepreneurs is, is that you need to jump on this and help people you know, solve this problem. Producing product in China is not the initial, the only issue. The producing product in China and getting it cost-effectively into our country has been ridiculously difficult. Case in point, the expectation that I would have had as one scenario for the United States which it's, with its massive military capabilities and federal control over the airline industry would have been to control pricing to, to deploy the infrastructure that's available to provide quick air freight and effective air freight. Today, even where you can get product produced and you need it immediately, there is either no capacity to ship. Pricing has gone up from roughly $3 a kilogram um, for air freight to about $16 per per kilogram with no capacity and really no options to produce uh, get that product any faster. So one example in terms of key learnings that I think we all felt was probably obvious is, when does the federal uh, government get involved in ensuring Capacity and price controls under these um, exigent, you know, issues, and that's something that I think we have to learn from. A, a slow boat doesn't work in this environment. That's interesting. If if uh, if you had to
1: make a sort of a, a quasi analyst prediction of what you
0: think supply chain is going to look like in twenty twenty five, what would you say is going to be different? There are several things that I think are are really important that. You know, we're going to be writing and researching and learning from this for years to come. A, a quick example, when we were dealing with the recession, as you recall, in 08-09, there was a massive in, inflection point in the receptivity for software as a service and platform as a service because there was no capital to deploy. Companies had, did not have the labor, they did not have the investment strategy, and that changed the power structure of, and authenticity and, and viability of services. Um, The CIO was not the top dog in the discussion. It was much more about the business leadership. I think today, what we're looking at is globally connected, service orientation, less monolithic approaches. And it's more about building these relationships quickly, creatively, and sustainably, Um, if that makes sense. I think the opportunity is this adjustment to... Let's not spend 10 years building an ERP or looking at traditional solutions. We absolutely need to know on the ground what's happening. That's that's interesting. I mean, if you had to be talking to a uh,
1: so a younger person who's has aspirations of going into supply chain, what advice would you give them? Because, you know, I, I think traditionally the supply chain leaders have come out of operations and engineering ranks. And I don't necessarily think that's it's not necessarily wrong, but I don't necessarily think Uh, It gives you an optimal view of the end-to-end business operating model. So what advice would you give somebody who's looking aspirationally
0: at supply chain as their career? Well, I think, you know, these moments, I think there's a lot of people that truly understand supply chain today. Uh, You and I have been talking a long time about the discipline and advocating. Um, I've worked a lot with the universities. I'm affiliated on the board with Syracuse University, actually president of that advisory group. And it's hard to explain supply chain. For younger people, everybody understands it today because they can't get basic items. And they scratch their head saying, in the US, are we really a developing country? Do we actually not have the ability to, to go from commercial products to retail products and back and forth? The beauty of this is that there's so much rich opportunity to be able to develop. I think one area that we've been talking about and experiencing for a while is the depth and interest around analytics around integration, around, um, you know, fact-based um, information. So for example, social media connection, my prior organization we spend a deep amount of work on social media and deciphering that information and using it for product development and responsiveness. The same for really the whole raft of analytics. That's the engine or the straw, straw that stirs the drink. And I think that's where you can get, it's a Trojan horse for, uh, for, for kids and students, you know, thinking about this to get into the broader aspects of supply chain. But boy, today using analytics and getting into the technology allows you to really see the complexity and opportunity that uh, we need to fix, you know, going forward. So I love that perspective.
1: I, I think that analytics has traditionally been seen by maybe the sort of the more traditional supply chain community as answering those questions we knew the business had. How much, how many, when, how many times did this break? How many times did we miss an order? But I think to the younger generation coming up through the ranks, analytics seems to come much more intuitively to them. And They're looking for patterns in data. They're looking for models. They're looking to answer questions we never even knew we we could answer. So I think I absolutely agree with you that going forward into the future, with all of this Data that we have around from all these digital flows, and that's simply going to get more. We can start really exploring that and and building much more efficient uh, visibility, analytics, understanding of how business models work, getting faster responsiveness of of events. So I think that's a it's very exciting to look forward into twenty twenty five. So if we just on the last point that I want to make, and that is. You know, what's, what's interesting is the word agility is coming back into the agenda. You know, we've seen uh, agility in the context of lean. We've seen agility in the context of software development. We've seen agility in the context of manufacturing and supply chain. Uh, and, and really, we're starting to see the agile healthcare supply chain or the agile uh, supply chain come back into the fore. What do you understand? by agility? And what do you think the compelling reason for a company to focus on building
0: agile capabilities is all about? I love it. It's such an important point. Uh, Think about today. We have gone, uh, we pivoted really like 180 degrees from shopping in store to basically that's a suicide mission for many people. Um, the ability to shop online in massive capability has even outstripped the capabilities of Amazon. Try to do Amazon Fresh. Try to do any of these systems. And the whole structure that's funny. Amazon's talking to me. Um, <laughs> they're everywhere. Amazon so so, so, so Amazon,
1: Siri, heard you say Amazon, she thought you wanted to place an order. There is, that's the
0: digital world right in the middle of our webinar. That's great. But I, I'll try to use the A word then, but the ironic thing is when you talk about agility and pivot, um, you talk to a hundred people and they'll say to you, I, I shopped. It was painful in terms of being online. I can't determine if anything's in stock. I don't know if I'm going to, until the end, if stuff's going to get stripped out of my cart and I don't know that I'm going to ever be able to get an appointment. How, from an agility standpoint, from when we talk about technology and analytics, um, certain companies will identify this quickly and change the shopping experience to ensure for example that you get a delivery date first that you are really clearly understanding what products available that you're going to be able to get it in a convenient time and cost and you're going to have visibility into when product if it's out of stock when it's going to be in stock we've been talking about as time immemorial so agility the second part is so that's a very basic fundamental area the second part is I've invested in a company called Squip, which is a 3D enabled, 3D 3D printing manufacturing, which is time in essence of needing product. Um, People don't have basic products. Um, They don't have personalization options. We need to change the manufacturing model to allow a multitude of options. So think about the technology married to really true manufacturing, non-traditional, that's gonna allow us to pivot much faster and respond to these types of events in the future. We need to have a fundamental rethinking about what's traditional manufacturing, how to integrate it into new technologies and enable different global options at the, at the uh, flick of a switch, so to speak. You know, it's so exciting and you know, this is the last point and,
1: and I really appreciate you um, with all your experience, Dave, making time available for us. But I think the last point is I always advocate to companies, you know, just in a a, a trusted thought leadership advisor point of view. Think about your supply chain from making product and getting it to the customer in the most efficient way. But when you think about why it's not getting there, think from the patient or the customer or the shelf back to supply. And I think that's such a fundamental issue. And we have to teach people how to think from the shopper back, the way you articulated your frustrations as a shopper, you started off with, hey, I do the click, this is what I expect to happen. And and I think that's not necessarily how all companies think about their supply chains. They're making tons of stuff, they're shipping it to a place where they think it's gonna get sold, and they rely on salespeople to get rid of and sell the product. Versus let's figure out what's really needed. Let's figure out what degree of customization. Let's not make waste, but let's figure that out and rebuild the supply chain from the shelf all the way back to the supply system. So Dave, thank you very much for making your time. This has been enlightening and and once again i think the the fact that you've been a cio you've run supply chains you've been a coo in the business i think those sets of unique capabilities brought together to talk about supply chain that's really what makes this so exciting and so live so thank you very much for your time thank you very much roddy